0: podcast city network
1: hi everyone i am your host mark the shark retorto and welcome to the mark the shark mma show where every week we talk about the wonderful sport of mma to we will review the most recent and upcoming events in mma news in each episode the format may be changed but you will always be entertained there will be special interviews with special guests, along with special insights on the sport from our guest hosts. Also, check out our Facebook page for news and updates on future episodes. Also, we appreciate donations from our listeners to keep our podcast up and running. You can make a donation by clicking on the click the support button found at anchor.fm/slash mark the shark MMA show. And that's mark spelled with a C and not a K. We are also looking for guests who want to be on the show and sponsors who want to advertise their product and brand on the show. For more information, contact me on the Mark the Shark MMA Show Facebook page. Also, for a plug-in, if you're looking for a good action, thriller, suspense novel, check out a book called The Cabal, The Saga Begins. You can find it on both Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. It is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobooks format on Amazon.com paperback version only on barnesandnoble.com, and the hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. For a good book for your kid to read, check out I Am a Survivor or Invisible Girl, written by a little 11-year-old girl by the name of Christina Retorto. She has her books in Kindle and audiobook format and paperback format on amazon.com and paperback format on both amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. And the hardcover version is only available at www.retortofamilybooks.com. Okay, everyone, keep on listening. We'll be back shortly after this break. Hey everybody, this is Dan Young with Total Wellness Radio and you are tuned into to the Mark the Shark MMA Show. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash MMA show and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash MMA show. All right, guys, we're back on the show. And today we got a very special guest. The guy has been fighting since 1998 in various organizations, including the UFC. We, today we have a guy that's fought Robbie Lawler, Ben Thomas, Jeremy Horn. I mean, he's fought them all. Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome to the show Steve Berger. How are you doing today?
2: Doing good, Mark. Good to talk to you, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's, it's an honor, sir. It's an honor. Now, I know you've been fighting since 1998. But how did you get into the MMA? i like to hear the story.
2: You know, I mean, uh, I I was kind of just a rough and tumble kid. And I guess, uh, you know, I was always into boxing. Uh, I had uh, uh, wrestled from eighth grade on up to senior year. And then, uh, you know, I I saw the pay-per-view, you know, thing uh ufc and i guess it was uh i didn't even see the first one i saw the second one on on the pay-per-view they were they were advertising it and i remember looking at it and i thought man is this some kind of pro wrestling deal because i was looking at the clips and stuff on there and i was like i wonder if this is real and i remember just thinking ah screw it i'm gonna I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to click on it. And I clicked on it, and man, that was it. I became hooked uh, right after I watched that. Uh, you know, of course, I started trying to find out where I could learn Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And this was, you know, probably back in 93, 94.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I couldn't find uh, anything. You know, nobody had heard of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, around here, you know. So I did some research, and I found out that judo uh, came from jujitsu. So I went and I got into judo, and I did judo for about a year, year and a half, and I ended up breaking my thumb. Uh, <laughs> I got thrown and landed on the thumb, and it snapped it in half. And you know, It was like a deal where I had to have surgery and get pins in it and stuff, so I was out for a little bit. And when I ended up, uh, deciding, no, I'll flip, flip through the phone book and find my old judo school here, I saw a big page that said, you know, Rodrigo Baggi, uh, Hicks and Gracie Black Belt had moved into town and opened up a place. So I was like, oh, well, here we go. So I went up there and I think I was, uh, 23 at the time. And that was like right towards the end of 96, went up there and I, I started training Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and uh, Man, you know, Rodrigo just uh, pretzeled me up and let me know that I was not the man I thought I was, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Jiu-jitsu can
2: be humbling. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. At that point in time, you know, win, lose, or draw, I would have thought I could have given Mike Tyson a, a fight, and I went up there and here Rodrigo tapped me just an insane amount of times in five minutes, and there was nothing I could do about it, you know. <laughs> 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 it was demoralizing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now I know you said you, you did some boxing, so you, did you do like any like golden gloves boxing
2: back in the
3: day?
2: Or yeah. Now? Yeah, I did. I uh you know, I got into boxing and uh I fought in Golden Gloves uh three times. Uh two of the times I ended up losing and one time I won. Uh the one time was in Kansas City and I drove down there. Uh was pretty excited to do the thing and I get down there and there's one guy in my bracket. So he and I fought it out and I won. So then I won the whole thing, you know, so, so it wasn't, uh, wasn't as great of a story as, uh, as I'd have liked it had been, but I still got the W. So. Tell us now,
3: I don't know if the viewers really understand this
2: because a lot of the guys that are watching it, they
1: probably became fans after the ultimate fighter. Sure. You were pretty much, when you started your career, you started your career pretty much where people were just, you were still kind of like brawlers, right? And Man, you have seen it go from where people were just, you know, like maybe one guy was like a good striker all the way up to past UFC 19 where people started really blend
2: everything together perfectly. Absolutely. i uh, I would say I wasn't in – on the very, very beginning, but I was definitely in on the infancy, you know, I mean, it was kind of, it was one of those things. Like if you look back to my time, there was still a lot of single style fighters include myself who were coming in and starting to try and mix other, other styles in, you know, so that you could go and, and compete in MMA. So, you know, if to, to clear it up a little more, you know, I would train my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at one place, Rodrigo's place. And then I would drive and I would go to a boxing gym and I would work my boxing. And then, you know, sometimes after jujitsu, if I could get somebody who was a wrestler, we would do wrestling. So we did it all kind of separate starting out, you know, and it wasn't until a few years down the line that we actually started trying to combine it all and work it all together. And I think, uh, that's because Militich, you know, he, he came on the scene and that's what he was doing. And when people started figuring that out, including myself, that's when everybody was like, oh, yeah, we need to start this grapple boxing and start training for what we're actually competing in.
1: Yeah, because I actually saw your fight or parts of your fight when you
3: fought, uh, what was his name, Chris Brennan. Yeah. We already fighting for a few years there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think
1: you were wearing, I think at that time you were a purple belt, right? In jiu jitsu, because I saw it a purple belt. I'm assuming that's from jiu jitsu. Yeah,
2: I, I might have been a blue belt then. I was, uh, I might have been a blue belt when I fought Brennan. I might have been a purple, I don't even remember. Uh, but uh, God, that was that was probably over 20 years ago or right at 20 years ago. So yeah. um, long time. I mean, you've done it yeah. all. I mean, yeah, Yeah, quite a bit. I, uh, I've been around, you know, and I was just, I was stubborn. I think most uh, good pro fighters have about a five-year career and I went 16 years, but (coughs) excuse me, not that that was the right thing to do. I probably stayed in a little too long.
3: Yeah. And what do you think is the biggest change
1: that you've seen? Like, between even let's say from when you started your uh, like ended your career to like now, I mean, you've had seen some major
3: changes in the sport, right? Like, how do you feel about it?
2: Uh, you know, I mean, biggest thing is is that I think that uh, every, everybody's kind of you know if you're gonna if you're gonna fight, you know to train you know don't like you know we used to like I touched on earlier, we used to train our jujitsu in a gi. And then we'd go ahead and we'd, you know, do some wrestling. And then we'd go to another place and we'd do some boxing. Now it's, you know, everybody knows, hey, if you're going to fight, you need to get in there and you need to train like you're going to fight. You know, you you have to, you know, put the – obviously you, you take your precautions, you put the headgear, and you put the, uh, the bigger gloves on, you know, but they're still open. And, you know, you you – put the shin pads on and all that, you go, you go hardcore that, that way. Starting out, you know, I was just doing boxing in a ring and then I would come and do jujitsu and then I'd try and wrestle a little bit, you know, and it just, uh, and then you try and combine it all together in the ring. Uh, You know, now everybody's just training for the sport that they're doing.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. How did you, handle yourself financially back then because I mean the money is there now it's still not as big as you know other professional sports like baseball or football but um were you doing all this while you were working a full-time job
2: yeah absolutely uh you know I I was a roofer so I would I would go and I would roof all day and then uh then you know I'd go to the gym at night and train
3: wow and that's not
1: like an easy job either roofing construction is definitely not easy
2: no not at all you know i mean it was one of those things that uh you have to forgive me i don't know what's going on i swallowed a frog or something i'm joking <laughs> here while i'm trying to talk to you hang on, let me get a drink all right sorry yeah no uh uh, roofing is definitely a tough job, you know, but it's something that that does toughen you up. Uh, it's funny, I was talking to a guy I was doing a podcast with a few weeks ago, and I was telling him, you know, I mean, I really, when I look back, I think it attributed a lot of my toughness uh, to, I, I can attribute a lot of my toughness to roofing because Mm -hmm. you know when you're up there and the sun's beating down on you and you know you're just you dead tired you've been slinging shingles all day and pounding them in you know uh you want to quit but then you're like well you know the sooner i get this roof done the sooner i go home so you just keep muscling through you know yeah you
1: know so doing a full workout afterwards is not easy
2: absolutely you know there was many a times when i came home Jumped in that shower and then came out and I was like, man, all I want to do is go to sleep. But it's like, well, I got the gym in the hour. Might as well slam some coffee and go, you know. Man, and what um what area did you grow up in? I grew up in uh, South County, born and raised in St. Louis. And where? (coughs) St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay, okay, okay.
3: And then I see the I your record you fought like
1: Jeremy Horn. Like, did you ever like fight someone that you trained with in all these matches
3: that you had?
2: No. Uh, you know, I mean, what's funny is uh I I trained with Jeremy later on, you know, and there was guys that I had fought and trained with afterwards, but uh, you know, like I think Matt Hughes uh had come to uh Granite City. Illinois and opened up the hit squad and so Matt and Jeremy were real tight so Jeremy was down there at the hit squad so I would go up there and I'd roll with Matt and Jeremy and uh you know of course everything was friendly you know we just kind of at one time you know we had fought and uh then you know I went up there and we got a little work you know it was kind of kind of a cool setup that he had there.
3: So that was that training session was after you fought (laughs) correct?
2: Yeah, that was years after I had fought him.
3: Uh, and how was it uh, working out with Matthews?
2: Man, the guy's strong as hell. You know, he's a he was a monster. It was probably uh, seven or eight years ago that I went up there. He was uh, definitely a better jujitsu player than uh, than I had expected. You know, because I I thought he was basically just a a wrestler, and uh, when when I went up there and roll with him, uh, we had a, real solid match you know neither one of us tapped each other but it was a it was a solid match and he uh he was as strong as the Hulk you know <laughs> um, now a lot of
3: the training I guess is, was uh Novi correct yes uh now out of all out of all the fights you've had like who was your toughest opponent
2: oh man that's that'd be a hard one to answer you know I mean I I fought so many tough guys and so many big name guys back in the day, but, uh, I mean, there was just just so many that, that stick out, you know, from Shoney Carter to Aaron Riley to Robbie Lawler to Jake Shields, uh, Jeremy Horn, of course. Um, just so many tough picking, picking the toughest. That's, that would just be too hard, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm.
3: Now, when you fought Robbie Lawler, that was in the UFC, I
2: believe, correct? Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. I got uh, got the call, uh, you know, to fight this kid named Robbie Lawler, and, you know, it was my dad who actually took the call, and he, he just calls me up. I was sitting on the roof. I really kind of thought my time in the UFC was done at that point because I had been there and lost and then i went back and i got a no contest and then i was like oh man i just screwed it up so i was like well you know i'll just take a break and go back to roofing and next thing i know uh uh, time had went by and i'm sitting on the roof and my dad calls me up and he's like hey guess what got you a fight in the ufc i was like really when he's like in two weeks it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, dad, I haven't been training. I haven't, it doesn't matter. This is a big show. You don't say no. I was like, all right, you're right. And uh next thing I know, I I was 205 pounds at the time. I just started concentrating on cutting weight and getting uh getting myself down so I can make that 170. And uh, I was on the plane the following week, and, and I fought Robbie. And, you know. First round went well, but, uh, second round he caught me and that was that.
3: Now, how many weeks preparation did you have for that fight?
2: Man, I didn't, I didn't have much at all. I'd say probably it was, I, you know, we're going back to, I think it was 2003, but I, I'd say I probably had about a week and a half. Uh, oh, so you cut all that weight in a week Yeah, and a half? I cut a, I cut a ton of weight, you know, cause they, uh, they get you out there about a week before the fight and I think I got the call from my dad about two and a half weeks before, uh, before the fight. So, you know, they, uh, they, you know, it was just like, man, it's just time to go. You know, I just, uh, jumped, jumped on the treadmill and started running and started starving myself, you know, trying to cut the weight and make it. And, uh, yeah. like I said, first round, I, I was feeling good, but i I was gassing real quick, you know, and uh second round, I just came out sloppy, and Robbie is not the type of guy to come out sloppy you know i was had my my hand down, and he came over the top with that right hook and followed it up with a nice little combination and then when he got on top of me, that was it you know
3: wow and was he the strongest puncher you you faced
2: uh. Yeah, I'll tell you what, he, uh, he probably was the the strongest, but I mean, I, uh, I fought a guy by the name of Waylon Low. I only got, uh, KO'd two times, one by Robbie Lawler and another by Waylon. And, uh, and Waylon was later on in my career, but, uh, boy, he, he knocked me out. And <clears throat> I mean, he put me to sleep, knocked me out. I was, uh, you know, I was seeing Tweety Bird with, with Robbie, but uh, Waylon, I, I think I was out for a couple minutes, you know. It wasn't one of my better fights. It was uh, towards the end of, my, end of my career, and we were throwing some punches, and the next thing I know, I am just waking up, and they're like, you're all right? Hey, you know who you are. <laughs>
3: wow.
1: Now, out of all your wins, because you got like 20 wins on your record here, probably more. Yeah. I'm just going off the top of my head. Sure. On that. Which one was that meant the
3: most to you?
2: Uh, boy, that's another, that's another tough one. Uh, there's, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, you, you love every single win, but uh, you know, one, one of the best was when I was down in Costa Rica, you know, I fought the, a guy by the name of Piotr Jakoszynski. And I mean, the whole setup was just so cool. They uh, Calvin air who was like, uh, I think, rated the 37th richest man in the world at the time. Mm. He had set up that uh, Bodog fight, and he had Bodog gambling going. And Bodog basically was a deal where he would set servers up in different countries and mm. allow you to make bets and stuff. And oh, it- I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. I've
3: seen a
1: few Bodog events. Um, I remember that. Just like I remember a hook and shoot. I know you fought on that. Uh, I'm like, me and you are pretty, pretty much close in age. So, I mean, I've been like following MMA for a very long time. But yeah, I remember Bowdog,
3: but I didn't know you can bet on that.
2: Yeah, yeah, he had Bowdog Fight, you know, because I guess, uh, you know, it was just basically the Bodog gambling. The gambling was his number one thing, but he opened up Bowdog Fight, and Bodog Music to kind of, you know, maybe filter more people into the gambling. And, uh, Uh, he would set his servers up in Canada and Russia, different countries and stuff. So nobody would, he wouldn't be paying taxes. You know, all these U S people would go ahead and uh, they they would place their bets and stuff. And then whenever he collected all that money, I guess uncle Sam wasn't getting the taxes. (coughs) Excuse me. But uh, so that's why he got shut down.
3: Oh, I was wondering what happened to that. And then, and who
2: was the guy that uh,
3: ran Hook and Shoot? I'm trying to remember that guy's
2: name. Jeff Osborne. Oh, yeah. 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 Back in the day,
3: yeah. I used
1: to, uh, this was before Google. I used to run like a, a martial
3: arts website.
2: Yeah. And I used
3: to buy my, my Hook and Shoot tapes from him. Yeah. I would sell yeah. them on the website. Okay.
2: Yeah, Jeff was—he was definitely a student of the game. You know, he had—he had every aspect covered from it.
3: Yeah.
2: Tapes to I, fight.
3: Yeah, 'cause I
1: even remember selling his tapes at, uh, like here in Jersey. They had a, uh in a, a South Plainsville High School. They used to have like uh, shoot fighting tournaments.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And
1: I
3: would sell, I would sell his tapes there. <laughs> Crazy. Yep. Now, got another question for you. now, what was the worst injury you ever got from a fight?
2: man i uh I ended up uh, right after <clears throat> right after I did that that Bodog thing in Costa Rica. I was telling you I was training and I was training real hard I, you know things were going pretty good for me at that time I ended up signed in a, a, a really big contract with Bodog and uh I, I was like, all right, if I finally made it, you know, that's where I wanna be. And I ended up uh somewhere in between that Costa Rica fight and my next fight, I ended up getting two herniated discs and three bulging discs in my spine. Man, that was painful. Oh man <clears throat> That was uh that was by far the, the worst injury I've ever had and I still deal with it to this day. Uh, went, uh, you know, I went ahead and I fought, uh, I fought for a while. I, 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 just thought maybe this is what they mean by getting older because I was having all this pain in my neck and I would go up to the gym and we had a sauna and I would start getting there like an hour early and I'd get in the sauna and stuff and try and warm it all up because i couldn't figure out what was going on i was around 34 35 at the time and i just couldn't figure out what was going on in my neck and uh i'm taking you know all this time in the sauna and then i would go out and i'd wrestle and after that first match it was kind of like my adrenaline took over and i'd just keep pushing through and i got real lucky because i remember when I finally when it when the pain just because it it just never goes away it's like somebody's sticking an ice pick in the back of your neck and just wiggling it and when it got so bad that I mean I just I couldn't even I couldn't even wrestle I couldn't do anything because I I just had no power in the left side my left arm or my left chest I finally went to the doctor and he's like Jesus how long you been doing with this I was like Months, you know, he's like yeah, this is insane you know he said uh you'll you'll never wrestle again and I was like well if that's that's the case I'll find out the hard way because you know I've uh sunk everything I have into uh into grappling I opened up uh my own grappling gym at the time and you know I was still trying to fight I still had in my head I was going to make it back to the UFC and uh so He was telling me, you need to get surgery, you need to get this fixed. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do surgery. And, uh, you know, he basically said, well, look, you can go to this physical therapy and uh, maybe that'll get you better. Well, I went to that for weeks and nothing was happening. you know, you do so many of these little goofy exercises and they tell you and stuff. But I just was still in constant pain and uh my one of my students at the time kept telling me you need to see this chiropractor that I go to well i had heard from <clears throat> excuse me again i had heard from these mds that uh chiropractors are witch doctors don't go to them they'll twist your neck up to make things worse so i just kept telling him no, no, I'm gonna stay away from that. I'm just gonna stick with this physical therapy. Well, after weeks of going and not getting any better, I finally was like, "Hey, give me the guy's name and give me his number. I'll go. I'll go see him." So I went up. <coughs> I went up, and the guy worked on me. And after the first time that he worked on me, man, I I felt a little better. I was still in pain, but it was just like you know he did all his stuff and snapped and popped my neck. And I was like, wow, I, you know, that's, that's the best I've felt in a while. You know, I'm still hurting, but you know, it feel, feel a lot better. And, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, what it does is I guess it releases like nitrogen or whatever when it, when it cracks the, uh, the spine and it causes the disc to slip back into place a little each time, uh, in between the vertebrae. So, I kept going to him. I went to him like three days a week. He had told me <clears throat> he looked at my MRIs and he said, I think I can get you back on the mat in ten weeks. And I kept going to him and uh ten weeks later I was back wrestling on the mat, you know, so I'm uh I'm a big fan and a big believer in chiropractors nowadays. Yeah,
3: yeah
1: I, I really don't think therapy really helps that much. <laughs> And you know, if you're an old person, it never worked out, maybe, but not not for
3: athletes. I mean, depends on the injury, you know, like, toy you're up, maybe.
2: Yeah, well, that I was, I was one of those things. I was so frustrated at the time because I was like, holy crap, I'm listening to everything these doctors are telling me it's not helping. You know, they kept wanting to give me these pills, and you just feel like a zombie taking those. So I finally was oh, man, I'd just rather – Rather deal with the pain than be in pain and feel like I'm sleepwalking. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Now, in your career, you know, and,
1: and all you know, and in your losses, which was the most controversial decision loss you ever had? Like, like you know, like you fought, you thought you won, and then you lost based on a decision. Was there any particular fight that you
3: think back? You was know,
2: controversial? I had a few of them. One thing you got to realize—I mean, there was plenty, plenty of def, definitely a lot of my losses that I deserved. But I definitely had a few that I feel like because I was a road warrior, you know, I was in somebody else's hometown with somebody else's home crowd. You know, I—I I got I got the loss. The other guy got the nod. You know, anytime it was close fight. But you know, what are you going to do? That's kind of something that you. You knew going in, and uh, like my dad told me a long time ago, he said, "Look, if you can't finish the guy, then don't complain about the the decision afterwards." You know, it took me a long time to basically come to terms with that, but but I have. You know, I didn't I didn't finish the guy, so you know, whatever decision the judges made is the decision they made.
0: Mm-hmm. No
2: matter saying well what about this this and this is going to change it you know because believe yeah. me I, I tried in the past to cry and say different stuff <laughs> <It didn't work.
3: laughs> yeah now
1: nowadays you see a lot of these professional mma fighters getting caught with perf- performance enhancement drugs you know uh, testosterone replacement therapy and all that has there been any opponents that you
3: fought that you felt like, oh man, this guy's definitely on something?
2: Absolutely. I mean uh you, you look at the uh the list of the fighters that I fought, uh, I know for a fact that that they were on crap, you know. And that's one thing I can say. <clears throat> Even though I'm a five hundred fighter, you know, I can say I fought every fight clean, you know? So I I never did do it and uh you know maybe maybe that was a mistake you know maybe i should have but uh you know it's one of those things that at least i can say hey i fought every fight clean and you know quite a few of those guys were juiced up and they beat me but there were some of those guys that i beat that were juiced up too you know so it is what it is
3: so what are
1: you doing nowadays we, uh, you have your own um gym now i believe
2: No, <laughs> well, i uh I had my own gym for about uh, 12 years, but I shut it down about three years ago. Uh, it just out to the point, you know, I never lost money on it, but I have, you know, I have a son and I have a daughter, and my son was about 10 at the time, my daughter was about six, and I was working a full-time job, and then I was driving up to uh, the gym, waiting around until the gym got going. And then I would train, and then by the time I shut the gym down and mop the mats and do all that crap, come home, it'd be about nine nine fifteen, and uh, you know the kids were either in bed or going to bed, and it just got to the point where I was like, man, you know why why am I doing this? I'm I'm not uh, I'm not fighting anymore, and I'm you know I'm not making uh, enough money to quit my day job with it, so you know. I'm mm. just- Hang it up. So I did.
1: <clears throat> yeah, but, it's not easy, right? Because you're missing out on uh, the special moments with your kids.
2: Right. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Do you still train at all? Like just to keep for yeah,
2: exercise? That'll. I don't know if uh, you know. Unless something physically happens to me, I don't know if I'll ever stop. You know. I mean, I've. Uh, I, I probably took the longest break. That I ever took after I shut my gym down, I was probably out for a good year and just did nothing except for concentrate on eating. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> You know, I started packing on the pounds. I was like, "Geez, I need to get back after it." So I was, I was getting a lot of calls. A lot of people would ask me, you know, "Hey, will you come teach some no gi jujitsu and stuff?" So I, I went ahead and I, I, you know. Told a couple of the guys, sure, I'll take you up on your offer. So I coached at a couple gyms. And uh, then when uh, things didn't work out one way or the other, you know, nothing bad. But uh, one guy just went out of business. The other guy, he was about 45 minutes away from me. So that just got really, uh, really annoying, you know, having to drive there after work and then drive all the way back. So I had a gym by my house, and I ended up uh, going down there, and, you know, that guy uh, uh, had basically offered me a deal to coach there. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. These are the nights I can do it. So I've been down there. It's been nice. I've been able to stay in shape and keep wrestling around on the mats and, uh, you know, share some of the knowledge that I've learned over the past 23 years.
3: Wow. Ah. That's good. At least you're keeping
1: active. I bet when you had that year off, though, you started feeling like some body parts that were aching you
2: were not aching anymore, right? Well, uh, you know, absolutely. I, uh, <clears throat> I I, I definitely feel it a lot more, even when I'm, uh, you know, it used to be, I'd, I'd go and I'd work all day, then I'd go to the gym, I'd train all night, then I'd come home, I'd get four or five hours sleep, pop up to the exact same schedule, and it was like, you know, once I got up and shook off that grogginess, I was fine, you know, I was ready to run through a brick wall and was fine, well, right around 38, 39, it started to hit me, now I'm 46, and man, Mm -hmm. it's like going on roll with these young guys, and we have good rolls and stuff and then it's like I wake up the next morning I feel like the tin man I'm like oh, oh man I, I
1: feel you dude yeah I actually stopped training I got injured in October I had my thumb back went back and then I had problems with my foot I'm actually you know I tried stem cell therapy which kind of yeah. brought the pain down but I I've kind of been out since January. Like, I tried coming back. I took eight weeks off I'm back in January, and I just physically couldn't do it. Um, but I'm noticing now, though, like, I'm, I've gained the weighty but My body's
3: getting stronger. You know, I could actually do push ups, which I haven't been able to do because my wrists were always messed up from, uh, from jujitsu. But uh, I'm hoping to get back into it.
2: <laughs>
3: Absolutely. September, you know, I miss it. Yeah. It drives me nuts.
2: Without a doubt, you know driving nuts whenever you uh, you, you want to do it, but the body doesn't want to let you, you know yeah you gotta listen to it, and then whenever it's ready, you know you get back to your thing,
3: yeah, yeah, that's good so now, so you're coaching a little bit
1: at this one particular school, is there any particular fighters there that you're
3: trying to like coach mentor?
2: you know yeah i got a bunch of young up and comers that are uh uh you know training with me and you know they they have dreams to make it big uh nobody nobody from there yet has you know made it on a huge show but mm-hmm. uh, but you know they've all got it in their sights and they're all young guys you know
1: mm mm-hmm. Do any of them have any, like, particular fights coming up, like even in, like, a local small and local circuit or?
2: You know, on uh, local stuff, they got, uh, they've got they got a few here and there. I've got a guy fighting the night. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been with me for a while. Uh, he's, I think this will be his third pro fight, Justin Langford but he's fighting at a show called Nemesis uh tonight which is just you know it's a little small show here mm-hmm. but uh you know as far as uh anything to any guys to talk about that are that are slated for the UFC or slated for Bellator out of my gym not just yet but uh we we do St. Louis the Midwest has uh <laughs> has a ton of great fighters and there's quite a few that uh, that are headed that way, or or are knocking on that door right now.
1: Now, if you had to do it all over again, would you have done what you did now, or would you have changed it in terms of your MMA career?
2: I would have changed it definitely. I think the uh, the biggest thing, like I had mentioned earlier, is uh, you know I had a 16 year career where, you know, I took a little bit of downtime here and there, but I was fighting every year, uh, for sixteen years. And I uh I think I got burned out probably right around the time that I, I lo made it to the UFC and then lost. I lost the decision. And it was kinda like I got burned out. You know, and what I wish I would have done looking back is I wish whenever I got those other phone calls I'd have just been like, no I'm not going to take the fight. You know, I just need some time off. I wish I would have cleared my head. I wish I would have maybe pushed it aside, given a little rest, and and let that fire and that hunger build back up. Because uh, even though I had it, it wasn't as strong as it was in the beginning. You know, if, if that makes sense, after uh, mm-hmm. i made it and then lost. And, uh, you know, so there was plenty of times when I'd get calls Month and a half away, or whatever, to to fight so and so, and I'd be like, oh hell yeah, I could do it, and then I, would you know, start training, and then I'd fall off because of work and other stuff that was going on, and then you know, next thing I know, oh shit, it's fight time, you know, and I'm not nearly in shape that I should be, you know. Yeah,
1: and, uh, a lot so- different now. These guys, they they do it all full time, you know.
2: Right, right,
1: the opportunities yeah. that you know your generation, in terms of mma made and they didn't have the opportunity to do, you know,
2: no, you know, it was always uh if you're a pro boxer, you know then then you you could just box for them, but back back when I was coming up, if you were an m m a guy, well, you had to have another job, you know,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if people wanting to get in con- contact with you, what's, like, the best way to get in contact
2: with you? Uh, right now, you know, you can probably just hit me up on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I don't have my own gym. Uh, I'm training down at Han Extreme Fitness is where I'm coaching. Mm-hmm. So, anybody who wants to, to come up and wrestle with me or, or, or check out the program, They can look that up, and I'm there on Tuesday and Thursday nights from 5 to 7 p.m.
3: All right. You guys heard that. Um,
1: If you guys are in that local area and you want to chain with a guy that's done it and been there and done it all, that's where you go. Steve, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you on the show. (laughs) Hey, thank you, man. And, I mean, I, I was really excited to have you on the show. I'm telling you from the truth, man. It was a real honor having
3: you on the show.
2: Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thanks. Blowing well, <laughs> my ego up here. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had this summer cold or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not all right anyway.
3: Yep.
1: All right, guys. We'll be back after this break. All right, guys, we're back to the show. This is Mark. And to all the listeners out there, we would appreciate it if you uh, make a small contribution to keep the uh, podcast going. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm slash Mark the Shark MMA Show and click on the support this podcast button. And it's Mark with a C and not a K. Again, it's anchor.fm slash Mark the Shark MMA Show.
3: from a little bit of everything with me podcast and you're listening to mark the shark mma show and don't forget to like subscribe and write to his podcast for more amazing episodes
1: all right guys we're back and now is the time for you guys to learn how to make money. Now, you can easily make money by listening to this podcast by downloading an app called PodCoin. Either your Android phone or your tablet or your iPhone or your tablet. And it's fairly simple. For each podcast that you listen to, you earn points and then you can redeem those, those points for either Amazon or Starbucks or you can even donate it to charity. Now, by listening to my podcast and using this special promo code called MMA Show, that's the promo code MMA Show, you will get 300 pod coins just for signing up and using my code. Again, it's MMA Show and the app is called PodCoin. You can get it from if you have an Android um, device, you can go to the Google Play Store. If you have an Apple device, you can go to the uh, Apple Store. All right, guys, we'll be back. All right, guys, we're back on the show. I'm here with Zane. We're here to talk about this weekend's uh, UFC card, UFC 240, between Holloway and Edgar. How are you doing today, Zane?
0: Can't believe it! UFC 240. I remember UFC one.
1: <laughs> but, and now we're showing our age.
0: Yeah. Getting up there, but uh, definitely diehard fans. Yeah. I uh, hope everybody's excited for the next UFC. Um, Holloway and uh, Edgar uh, headlining. Yep. Uh, that's gonna be a pretty interesting, interesting fight. I kind of uh, feel that, even though edgar might not be uh number one i think that there are maybe possibly uh, one or two guys that maybe are a little bit better uh, i know that brian ortega he beat uh edgar yeah and um, uh, you know not many people uh beat him definitively and but i just think that it might be a little bit too early for brian ortega to get his rematch against holloway it was a uh, uh, a grueling, devastating um, you know, beating that he took against Holloway. But I I still think that Edgar brings a lot to the table and that will uh, it'll be a, a fun and interesting fight.
1: Yeah, I just find it interesting how Edgar keeps getting these title shots. But I guess this is the type of relationship he has with Dana White. I mean I know he's he's won. You know, he is winning a lot but I mean he does also have a lot of losses too, but so what are your I thoughts on the a,
0: fight? Uh, I think it's one of the factors. I think that you're absolutely right, that he tends to be just a nice guy, hardworking, and, and always puts on a good show. And Dana likes that. Dana likes the, the fans to, you know, react to a fight, and get excited, and be happy either way. So he definitely has that with Dana. He's not a complainer. He's um, either in the hospital or he's fighting. So, um, you know, that's great. But I I think that having a good relationship with Dana, number one, is key. Number two, always bringing in, uh, you know, a lot of fans. Uh, Number three, just putting on just a super exciting fight. Uh, Someone who's not just going to point fight or, you know, um, only, uh, only counter or just go to the ground. I mean, Edgar is... Um, just a great fighter everywhere. He he might not be perfect everywhere, but just, I think he is truly great everywhere. The one the one thing that I remember uh, talking with uh, another one of your uh, I guess panelists is uh, Steve. He was I remember talking. Uh, we had a conversation about how even though Edgar is a great fighter, he still tends to be on the smaller side where at 155, he was definitely too small. Um, you know, it was very, very hard for him to be competitive there. Just a huge size difference. At 145, he's still just a little bit small. Um, but, you know, he's got the speed, he's got, uh, you know, definitely strength and ability. And even for a, a larger opponent like Holloway or Ortega, he's still very competitive.
1: Yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he deals with uh, Max Holloway's reach, because Max is pretty tall.
0: Well, I think it's going to be similar to Ortega. I think Ortega also had uh, a decent reach. I I just think that Holloway has, uh, kind of like Nate Diaz, where he has a great reach, and he uses it well. Nate Diaz is an excellent boxer, and I think that Holly is a great boxer, and it just very proficient on fighting from the outside, using their reach well, uh, which is great footwork. Great footwork, always being you know ready to throw uh, any combination, uh, great balance, just being able to move and always be in the same position no matter where they move. I think that there's a, a decent amount of fighters who, you, you see a lot more kickers and punchers becoming more and more proficient on the ground. And that's why I think great ground fighters are having a lot more difficulty, uh, like Damian Maya, who used to be oh my gosh so amazing, but there's a lot of stand-up fighters um, that were that are more and more becoming much better on the ground. And once a great crowd fighter gets into the ground, it's almost um, it's it's almost uh, equalized. So I love the sport. I love how it's progressing. Um, you know, I kind of wish there weren't so many rules. Um, you know, Mark, I know you and I we talked extensively about yeah. reasons why they have rules and it would be great to go back to almost no rules like in UFC 1. But, uh, you know, it's, if you want to make money if you want to have the fighters stick around for a while and, um, you, you know, th- there's kind of give and take. So, um, I don't know if, uh, if you have, you know, after this long uh, this long period of UFC history, if you're leaning more towards you like the rules or you would like to pull back a little bit and let more happen. I don't know what your opinion is. You know, I remember talking to you about it, but yeah. maybe it might have changed.
1: Uh, uh, as far as having rules in general, I don't know. I kind of like the old way, but I can kind of see, in some ways, how it's beneficial. Like, for the fighters, they have a longer longevity, I guess, but...
0: What about having the rules now, but just no rounds? Just being able to go? Remember how it used to be where
1: they... Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that would play out now. I think... See, when when it... When I think if there's no time limit, the fighters may pace themselves a little bit more, right? And then the fight might get, I don't want to say long and boring, but it might get too long and boring. Whereas, you know, and that would take away from uh, what the audience expects to see. They want to see the action. So if there's a time limit, I think the fighters are more um, anxious to get the fight over with because they know there's a certain time limit, so they'll move faster It'll be the fight will be at a faster pace, and I think that's what the audience likes and expects. It's kind of like if, and like when you go to uh, watch a jiu-jitsu tournament, and you go to watch. I mean, I love submission only tournaments, but if there's like no time limit on it, it kind of gets long, drawn out, and boring. Whereas if there is a time limit on it, it's a faster pace. So I think. I think. Uh, I think there's like pros and cons to it. I guess from a spectator point of view, I like things fast-paced. I just think it would be drawn out if there was uh, no time limit. But with regards to the fight, like who do you think is going to win this one? Holloway or Edgar? I kind of lean towards Holloway on this one.
0: I have to, I think the safe bet is Holloway. But I think that Edgar is realizing that, see, now, I didn't bring this up before too, that I think that Dana and Edgar, yes, they do have a great relationship. I think that since Edgar is proving over and over again, hey, I'm giving a great show, hey, I'm one of the top guys, maybe not one or two, but definitely, you know, in the top.
1: top Yeah, I think he's ranked number three or four now or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I I think Dana wants to throw him a bone and give him, you know, that possibility of getting the title again Mm. he's getting up there in age he's only got a couple maybe one or two more title fights maybe after this and then he really should be hanging it up you know if he wants to stay healthy yeah i think that's what Dana is trying to trying to give him a shot every everybody at the the top five anybody in the top five they got a shot um you know below that they got two improvements too so i think that um You know, there's there's certain guys that might be at the top, but maybe it's not a great matchup. Maybe it wouldn't be a great fight. Maybe they're injured and they they just got off of a big fight. Mm. I think a lot of things are going to the match weekend. (coughs) I think that, uh, you know, Dana doesn't exactly have the easiest job that everyone thinks he has, where it's just fun. Sometimes he's dealing with, Fighters that have issues, personal issues, or, you know, he's got to worry about, well, which country we're going to be in, who's healthy, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and and just trying to give, you know, some new blood, um, you know, some opportunities, and, uh, you know, make things exciting. You know, sometimes these younger fighters are just able to weather the storm a lot better than some of the fighters that have a lot of scar tissue or just have uh, knee problems. so maybe they can get battered and then after round two, someone's got a broken foot or a broken hand from beating somebody up and then all of a sudden the, you know the better fighter loses just because he's getting hurt trying to beat up the other guy. So, and, you know we've seen that before. So it's, it's such an interesting sport. Um, you know, like street fighting, you know you can get you know somebody who's a great fighter and they can hit you 10 times. And then the other tougher guy who could just weather it, boom, one shot. That yeah. Mean that the other guy is a better fighter? No, just means that he was able to take more damage. so, you know, a lot, so many things can happen.
1: Yeah. Well, one guy I think that's that's kind of like climbing through the ladder lately is uh, what's his name? Josh. Emmett. He's been like knocking out people. He just cracked the top ten. He's like ranked number eight. So be interesting to see if he get, I think if he gets one or two more fights, he might be up for title contention because he's won it's his acceptable.
0: last one. He's an exciting fighter.
1: Yeah, he, he wins. wins. He's, he's been wrestler. knocking people out.
0: That's what I'm saying. He's exciting, making people stand up. If there's, It's fast-paced and it's got yeah. up and down. And,
1: he knocked yeah. out uh, Stevens, Jeremy Stevens, and Michael Johnson. And his last fight, he won too. So he's on a tear. But
0: Stevens, I've seen him um, at the top five. Yeah, I've seen him. You know, then he gets knocked down, and then he's got to climb his way back up. And Stevens is tough as nails. But he's had a lot of fights, so it's possible. I mean, I'm sure you know this, and I you know, definitely know that you know this. That you get knocked out once. Uh, it might have been hard to knock you out first time. A little bit easier the second time. This is a scientific fact. After the second or third time, you get knocked out. It, you start becoming glass joke. So um, it, you know it's just easier and easier. So a lot of it's not just these older guys or these guys who've been around longer that their you know their muscles or their ligaments or their knees or um, they're getting. It's just that their jaw and their head can't take it like they used to. It's easier to get knocked out the more you get knocked out. It's just a proven fact.
1: Yeah. So, now, what is your take okay. on the uh, the co-main event, which is Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer, who was the Invicta featherweight champ?
0: Uh, I tell you, anybody who fights <laughs> uh, with that type of knockout power, where it's... Um, uh, a, cy- a cyborg or uh, the champion. Those two women are, without a doubt, the hardest hitters in you know either division. One thirty-five or one forty-five. Holly Holm even has a pretty good knockout punch, but t- you go up a level when it comes to cyborg and the champ and the champion. Excuse me.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Nice. So. Yeah, Nunez and Cyborg, you got you have to be able to uh, be able to work inside the pocket quick, and then get out. That that's my my feeling. Even when you take it to the ground, both Nunez and Cyborg, they're proven to be great on the ground, and mm. you know they they usually want to just pop up and then just start raining down punches. I mean, you have to be. Not just a jujitsu champ, you have to be an MMA jiu-jitsu champ in order to just hold them tight and work quick. Because if, if you're just going to lay on your back like in a jujitsu tournament, that is not a street fight. And you're going to want to get hurt. And well, I think that this girl is great, she's proven herself you know and Victor's great and everything but it, it's definitely a step up
1: to get to the UFC and a step up after that when you fight sideboard yeah and, and, and this and, is only her second fight in the UFC <laughs> I, I mean, I works, <coughs> so I gotta give her you know, credit
3: for it
0: she usually wins with a really she just tends to be very good to get to that position but in my opinion she is soft meaning just her, her figure She doesn't look ripped and ready to go, and uh, maybe as fast or or, as good in the pocket, and I don't think that she's gonna be able to enter as fast as she wants to. Um, I just think that the cyborg might be too much for her, but I would love to see a submission. I would love to see a great fighter be able to take such a strong everywhere fighter, like with knockout power, Devastating, like our power. Be able to take someone like to show this is what jiu jitsu was made for. Mm. Be able to take someone who's such a strong knockout artist and good on the ground, and they still were able to enter, take down, stay tight, and submit. That would just prove to everyone that great jiu jitsu can work. A lot of people, I think, are uh, you know, they kind of come and go, oh, excuse me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so uh, I, I think it kind,
0: of, it kind of comes and goes in ways where people are yay, jujitsu, ground fighting. And then they kind of get away from it where they don't believe in it because they see people getting knocked down, and loose. And then you see some great ground fighters or great cross trained and you start winning. So, like I said, the evolution of MLA, it's just.
1: Is uh, I think it's fantastic. Well, true favorite. Mm. So, so for for that one, I, I take it you would have Chris Cyborg winning that one, then, right?
0: I, I think that she's going to be a little bit too much for. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot her name for a second.
1: For uh, Spencer, Jessica Spencer. I mean yeah, Felicia Spencer. Least, honestly, Felicia Spencer. Sorry. But
0: yeah, um, I think I think she might be a little bit outmatched as far as was too physically. I, I would love to see how she would do at 135. If she could rip up to 135, but then again, you're going against Nudazu, you who know, has already proven herself right there. So yeah, yeah, she's she's got a
1: very difficult at any Yeah, girl at yeah. now it'll be interesting to see if Nunes actually stays at 135. I mean, at the the weight division. I, I think she'll try to stay
0: at in both divisions. Unfortunately, for both divisions. She's gonna try and just continue to prove herself. I doubt.
3: I I would even love to see yeah. see come up in a one fifty five weight
0: uh, weight class. And yes. uh, I I I think that at one time they were supposed to make one, but uh, it might be just a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, I think Cyborg would be in that one too. <laughs> I think Cyborg would be definitely in the one fifty five division if they made it. But I'm I'm thinking that...
0: Make, say it again? Say uh, it again. I think that Cyborg is able to make 145. I think it would be... May. I, I think, first of all, she's been around for a long time. You know her Cyborg has been around uh, what, maybe at least eight years. Yeah. How much,
3: uh, yeah, and her
1: normal weight is 145, but I'm sure she'll be happy if they make a 155. Now, for Nunes, I think she's probably going to make just one or two more Title defence is at batting weight, I think she's probably gonna stay at featherweight. That that's my opinion. if you if you can dominate at a heavyweight, why why not stay there? Talking about John Jones' last fight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. San, against I, I, Santos. Now I'm sorry?
1: With against Santos.
0: Eventually, someone's going to take over, and right now I think we're seeing some strong fighters start to move up, and probably within a year or two, you're going to see. Oh my gosh, I never would have thought somebody would beat Nunes, and they made her look like nothing. You know, this could mm. be. It's right. It, it's you know, it's got to happen. So or maybe not. You know, mm. you know, Rousey thought she was going to. As soon as she started talking about, I'm going to retire a champion. Boom! She gets knocked out, and hopefully, Nuñez doesn't get too comfortable. And hopefully, mm-hmm. nobody else gets. But it just, it's just very, very difficult. I think for such a dominant champion.
1: Yeah. Nah, now, do you think Nuñez is going to stay bouncing around between the two weight classes, or you think she's just going to make one or I two? Think so. I think title
0: will. defenses at the lower I weight. He, I think she doesn't want her fans or to herself to make it to for anyone to. To uh, be able to say, oh, well, she only did it once or twice. I think she wants to constantly prove to the world and to herself, I could do it at both weight classes. And if she, you know, gets knocked out of loses, it's no big deal because she had a great one. I think that she is still in her prime. I think she she got maybe another year or two to be in her prime. And then eventually, you know, injuries, they're going to wear on you. Age it's going to wear on you. And someone's going to move up. I think
1: that's what always happens. Age is undefeated. Time is undefeated. Excuse me. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we got Holloway beating Edgar. And then we got Chris Cyborg beating Felicia Spencer. Those are our picks, guys. All right, guys. We'll be back. What were you going to say, Sal? Sal?
0: Of these fights are going to be great yep. and I think all four fighters should be truly respected I think they're all just great people and great fighters and I think um, you know they all have a chance and I wish ever, I wish them all you know the best of luck and uh, whichever way it goes I think uh, I think it's going to be
1: I think it's, they, they deserve it whichever yep. way it goes yep. uh, and just a quick note to everybody who's out there this is this is a pay per view event. So you're not gonna get it on regular ESPN plus you have to uh obviously the prelims you can get on uh, regular ESPN and the pre prelims you get on ESPN plus, but the main event is only available on pay per view that starts at ten o'clock Eastern time. So It does.
0: And I actually have to get to another interview, so ladies and gentlemen, this is vain. I'm going to be signing off. Watch next UFC, two, UFC
1: 240. All right, Zane. Thanks for coming. Everybody out there, those were our picks for UFC 240. We'll be back after this short break. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to www.audibletrial.com MMA show and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a trial for free and start listening it's that easy go to audible.com MMA show why audible audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks original shows news comedy and more from our leading audiobook publishers broadcasters and entertainers and if you need a book suggestion I have two one is called I am a survivor by Christina Ritordo, And the other one is written by me, Mark Retorto, called The Cabal. The saga begins.
3: This is a coupon queen pen from the CQP Moments podcast. And you're listening to Mark the
0: Shark MMA Show.
1: All right, guys, we're back to the show. This is Mark. And to all the listeners out there, we'd appreciate it if you uh, make a small contribution to keep the uh, podcast going. All you have to do is go to anchor.fm/slash mark sh- MarkTheSharkMMA Show and click on the Support This Podcast button. And it's Mark with a C and not a K. Again, it's anchor.fm/slash MarkTheSharkMMA Show.
2: Hey fans, here at Podcast City Network, we have a lot of great shows on all of our great social media outlets
1: PodcastCity.net, Facebook.com slash Podcast City Network. Hit that thumbs up. You can send a tweet to Podcast City Network on Twitter at Podcast City Net.
0: Only on Podcast City Network.